This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Rich Ivanowski here today as well. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing good, Brendan. Uh, I am also excited to have a guest back from earlier on this week. Uh, this is Sanjesh from Sacktown Royalty. How are you doing, Sanjesh? I'm doing well. What about you guys? Doing well. Appreciate you coming back on. Thank you for having me again. Sweet. And uh, I'm glad that we are making sure to pronounce your name right. And uh, <laughs> if we if we mess it up, just let us know. Um, you know, speaking of, of pronunciations, I'll probably get wrong. There is some news that's very pertinent to this podcast uh, that I want to throw out here right up top because we are going to be talking about free agent centers. And just recently tweeted out by Sagar Trika. I'm totally butchering that pronunciation, but I believe Sagar Trika uh, at Blazers by Sagar. Uh, he tweeted out that Zach Lowe had recently said on our podcast with JJ Reddick that actually came out today that Sacramento is this is, quote Sacramento is going to get a center and it's not going to be Willie Colley Stein. They're going to sign a center. Let's get some instant reactions from you guys on that. I'm not too surprised by it because of Jason Anderson's report that came out that Willie and his camp, you know, don't want the Kings to extend the qualifying offer. So at that point, the relationship is pretty much like unsal- unsalvageable. So I'm not too surprised by this move. It's just whether or not the Kings will still um, extend the qualifying offer and hold on to him as an asset, or will it just let him enter the market as an unrestricted free agent? Yeah, my thing with holding on to him as an asset, the qualifying offer $6.2 million, and I honestly don't think his value is that much higher. Um, I'm happy that Kali Stein's not going to be back. We've talked about this. Plenty of times on the podcast. I'm very happy to move on from Collie Stein. And like I said, that 6.2 doesn't feel like much of an asset and it feels kind of useless to hold on to it. I'd rather just have the money available. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. You know, if, if the Kings really believe that they can land, uh, you know, significant upgrades throughout the roster, then I think that 14 million is way way too high for Willie. And I, if this news is correct, uh, I'll be pretty excited to get that 14 million clear. So then, I mean, starting with the top, the name that has been linked to Sacramento a lot and going through these centers, like you said, is Nikola Vucevic. And 
saying he's going to demand a max contract. I mean, four years, 141 million does feel like a lot for him, but he does everything on offense. He performs at all three levels, a lot of back to the basket. The defense isn't great. Um, would you be willing or do you, how do you like the fit of Sacramento and Vucevic Sanjesh? Oh, he's definitely the best available center in this free agent market. Um, he definitely makes the Kings better on paper, but I'm not too sure. The thing that I'm, cons- or the thing that I'm worried about is how does King, how does the Kings offense fare with a guy that's coming from a much slower system in Orlando? They had one of the yeah. slower paces throughout the season and their offense ran through Vucevic as well. So how does that translate to a team that loves to run and gun, go fast? Um, the talent is definitely there. I'm just not too... I don't know the exact fit, but he definitely makes the team better. And what are your thoughts, Rich? My main concern with Vucevic is that this year's year seemed like a huge outlier. Uh compared to the rest of his seasons. And he's got a big body of work for us to look at. Um, and basically, this was his best season by a mile in every possible measurable. So my concern would be to pay a big amount of money for an outlier season and then have have his uh, body of work kind of return to the norm. So I have a couple of these. We kind of gamify this a little bit. And recently we were doing offensive real plus minus and defensive real plus minus. Out of the centers in the league, where do you think in offensive real plus minus that Vucevic ranks? As an estimate or a guess? Uh, No, out of like number uh, first through 10th or any of those, you know, position wise compared to the rest of the centers. Hmm. I'd, I'd go as top seven. That's a tough one. I, you know, he scored a lot of points, but the efficiency is a little bit questionable. Um, I'll go 20th. Oof. Vujovic was fourth. <laughs> oh, okay. I was kind of correct. The only three players above him, Joel Embiid was third, Carl Anthony Towns was second, and Nikola Jokic was first. Uh, yeah, those three I had definitely ahead. Yeah. Two of the best centers. Yeah, fair enough. I, you know, fair enough. Uh, he's, I think I'm still reacting to how big of a jump he made this year. Yeah. And then what about defensive real plus minus? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go with top 15. I'll go lower than that. I think he did a good job hanging in there. Um, and his team was a, a good defensive team overall. And I don't think that he was a big reason for that, but I'll go, I'll go. How many total centers are there listed? There are, let me get to the bottom of this. 64. 64. Yes. Oh, that's not that many. So I, I'll go 33rd. Rich, I agree with everything you said. I think the Orlando defense actually helped hide some of Vucevic's weaknesses on defense. But he was fifth. Oh, wow. This is crazy. Whiteside <laughs> was crazy. fourth. Tyson Chandler was third. Second's Joel Embiid. And first, Rudy Gobert. Oh, that's not surprising to Rudy Gobert. Yeah. I'm shocked. I'm very wrong. 
Well, Goodness it, gracious. No, it is crazy to me. I mean, I don't believe in his do in his defense in that sort of way. Having him above like Brooke Lopez, Miles Turner, I can't really get behind it. Where does Miles Turner's fall? Or Miles Turner's guess? Sorry. Miles Turner's eighth. Eighth? Okay. Yeah. He's a really good defensive player. Agreed. Um, yeah, that feels to me like there's no way he'd be on that level. But yeah, but yeah what are you going to do? So I have two other little gameish types things here. Uh, he had, Nikola Vucevic had 434 post up attempts on the year. Out of all the players in the NBA, how, where do you think he is? Same way, first, second, third? Um, I'm going to go with top 10. Yeah, I'm going to go pretty high as well. I bet LaMarcus Aldridge has some more than him because oh, I think sure. that's like, yeah, I think for some reason Popovich just loves <laughs> that post-up game, but I'll go, God, I'm going to be so wrong again, but I'll go like third. So LaMarcus Aldridge was head and shoulders above everyone else first, and Vucevic was fifth. It goes Aldridge, Cat, Embiid, Blake Griffin, and Vucevic. Huh. It's not a okay. bad list. I feel pretty good. Yeah, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. And in regards to the percentages of those guys, Cat was first, and then Aldridge and Embiid are very close, 2-3. Vucevic comes fourth, and then Blake Griffin fifth, percentage-wise. So kind of my point of that is that, you know, he was getting that opportunity to ISO post up down low. And I don't know if that many touches are really going to be there for the Kings. And that's part of my issue with Vucevic is that do we really need the ball in this guy's hands that often? I feel like he did have an insane usage. Yeah, his usage rate was 28%, which was... um 4.1 percentage points above the second highest, which was Terrence Ross. So I'm pretty sure if he's going to come to the Kings, there's much more younger talent with Fox, Buddy, Bagley, Bogey, etc., Barnes as well. That definitely comes down. So I don't know if that production would match a potential max contract. And that's my biggest fear of maxing Vucevic. Yeah, the fit's definitely questionable. Um to Sam Jesh's point there, the touches are a concern. And then, again, it just feels like if you had to bet if he'll be anywhere near these numbers again next year, I'd probably I'd bet against that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd bet against it as well. Yeah. So the very last uh, game in the same format I have here for you is he had 331 possessions as the screener in a pick and roll. Where do you think that ranks in regards to the NBA? Top four. No, five. Top five. I'll go a little bit less than that. I mean, that's less than the number of post-ups he had, right? So Mm -hmm. I'll say that's more like 20th. He was second. Miles Uh, Turner is first. Okay. Vucevic, Ibaka, Aldridge, and Sabonis. Oh. Um, Interesting, two Indiana guys are on the team. But my point, I mean, post-ups, fifth in the league. Uh, being the screener in a pick and roll second, like the usage of this guy is going to go down so much. And so are all these numbers. Like, I honestly feel like what you're getting out of Vucevic is very close to the same thing you're getting out of Al Horford, but Horford gives you things on the defensive end and Horford is regressing. Vucevic is going into, uh, his prime here a little bit. So there's differences there, but 
I just don't believe in Vucevic having these same numbers when he's given a lesser role, and I don't want to give him a bigger role. Yeah, that's incredible because if he's got over 400 post-ups, over 300 um, you know, possessions as the screen man, and he's attempted over 1,300 shots, I mean, this dude is involved in absolutely every single play yeah. that he's on the court. And that's you you cannot do that with Fox and Buddy and Bagley on the court as well. Yeah, and I will say to Vucevic's credit, I do think that he ha- would have a good impact on the offensive end. Me comparing him to Al Horford wasn't was a compliment, really. I mean, he's a great passer for being the center. Um he is a fantastic defensive rebounder. So I'll give I mean Vucevic is due credit. I just don't want a max guy that is this high usage. I don't see it with the Kings. Yeah, I don't I don't really see it either, but to add on to like the rebounding, he actually led the NBA in defensive box outs with over eight a game. But because Lamarcus Aldridge edged him out on the offensive board, then Lamarcus Aldridge was the leading um how do you say it? there was a leading player in box outs per game and then Nikola Vucevic was second in the entire league too, so the talent is definitely there with Vucevic, but I'm not sure the fit is. And that's my main concern with giving him a max contract. Because if the fit doesn't match the contract, then the numbers are going to look really bad. And it could end up being a bad move for the Kings, maybe. That's just my main concern. You know, uh, going back to my first point about how this year was such an outlier for him. I've got a, I've got a question to throw out there, a quiz for you guys. So this is the excluding this season. So if we take this last season completely out of the mix, the rest of his career, what do you think his three point percentage was combined? I'm going to say, I know he's gotten better almost every year. I'm going to go with 32%. I was going to say 31, but that feels too close. So I'll go with 29 so it's right in between you guys. So for reference, he shot 36.4% this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, be- before that, uh, total was 30.8 on the same, num- same number of attempts, essentially. So uh, a little bit more. He shot 300 threes before this season, only hit about 30, 31%. And this season he shot 231 and hit 36. So you know, you can point to that and say that's just him getting better, or you could say, you know, he could regress as well. Big regression. This is a big candidate for regression. Yes, a big candidate for regression. I completely agree with that. And, you know, part of this, maybe something that we should touch on here before we dive into some of the other ones, is what are you looking for? Hopefully, a center that comes to Sacramento can definitely bring in consistent rebounding numbers. I'm not too worried about their points production, but at least 10 a game, 10 to 12 a game would be solid. Um, Can stretch the floor and give some space with Marvin Bagley as a starting center. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Rim protection? Uh, And rim protection as well. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, definitely be able to protect the rim at a much better rate than Willie Cauley-Sign was able to. I think he averaged 0.6 blocks a game, was it? And he's an incredibly athletic seven-footer, so... Yeah, rim protection I, is definitely a key. I think that it's clear that those are the kind of the wants of a center. Is there any of those that feel like requirements that if they don't check one of those boxes, they can't be an option? Rim protection. 
A hundred percent. And I don't blame Sanjesh for uh, blanking on that for a second, because I think we as a city uh, and as a fan base have completely forgotten that it's a thing because <laughs> really Stein never did it. But uh, yeah, that's what I want. And like, we, we're going to get into different guys as we go down this list. But honestly, as far as I'm concerned, I would like a low usage guy that can protect the rim, uh, can stretch the floor a little bit and can get boards, get tough boards, uh, maybe, you know, give us some, some hard picks, you know, maybe dive to the basket as well. That would be nice, but really just make smart decisions on defense. Uh, put a hand in the air, you know, put a hand in the shooter's face, uh, swap the ball occasionally. Like that's really what I'm looking for. And a, and a usage of like 18% is going to be a lot more attractive than Vucevic's 28%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say one of the big things about Vucevic was I saw a lack of rim protection. I mean, like we said, his defense was lacking, and the opposing team shot better with Vucevic on the floor every single year of his career. It wasn't uh, a, a better by a large amount. It was less than one most of the time, but he was never positively affecting shots at the rim in any sort of way it felt like. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. Who do we feel like is in these this next tier of centers? I think Al Horford becoming available, he's definitely like the next, be- next best candidate. Um, I think he'd be like a really, really good fit for the Kings. He can be a low usage guy who can provide solid interior defense, can switch out and guard smaller players he's a solid rebounder not doesn't stand out to you at a number standpoint because i believe it's only like six a game but he can still do it Uh, he can stretch the floor at a solid rate Um, he can operate in the high post he can provide mentorship to the youngsters the main concern is how much do you want to pay for all of this for a 33 year old guy who's been rumored to want a four or four year 100 million dollar contract and recently that number became four or four years 112 million so I'm not really sure how I stand on his contract standpoint or from a contract standpoint, but I love his fit with Sacramento. Yeah, for me, I have Horford in the same tier as Vucevic at this point. Um, you know, the age is the definitely the question, like Sanjesh, uh, Sanjesh just mentioned. But uh, as far as quality of player and the type of contract I think that they're looking at, I have Horford in the same tier. Yeah, you guys know how I feel about him. I'm definitely feeling the same way there. I would love Horford's presence on this team on both ends of the floor. It was reported, and my apologies for not having who it, it, that report was by, that he has a four-year, $114 million contract waiting for him somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Hypothetically, if that was the Kings, would that upset you? I mean, it would be $28 million, uh annually. I wouldn't be completely upset with it i'll be okay knowing that we're getting al horford on our team but it just depends like if he can how do i say this it just depends on 
his quality of play throughout the contract. Like, also, does the fourth year come with the player option or something? So the Kings don't have to bring him back in if the production declines rapidly or something. But I'm not upset if he gets a deal from the Kings because he's a fantastic player. Yeah, absolutely. I think that if the Kings signed Al Horford, he might be the best free agent signing by the franchise in history. So mm-hmm. I can't be upset of that. I, 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 you know, you can absolutely make the argument about finances when he's 36, you know, but yeah, I just don't know how you get upset about that in terms of just the quality of talent, the, the amount of talent that would be infused onto the roster. Agreed, and then you can still comfortably fill out the rest with guys that would work well money-wise. Um, am I correct in thinking that after this, it does fall down a tier? Uh, Marcus Solp did pick up his player option. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at, I feel like this next tier is Lopez, Deadman, uh, Favors, Valanchunas is probably about what it is. The, actually, the, Rich, that's exactly what you have listed at. I w- would agree. Yeah, those are my guys, and I think you can kind of look at that as there's two guys that stretch the floor, and then there's two guys that are more traditional centers, mm-hmm. uh, Lopez and Deadman being floor stretchers and Favors and Valanciunas being pretty pretty traditional. Like They can put a shot up from distance, but they're not going to give you that gravity. And my favorite out of this tier is obviously Deadman, just because... Um, I've written about him before and I've studied his game. He's also a low usage guy who is a really good three point shooter at 38%. He can give you 10, 10 points a game, seven and a half rebounds. He's already accustomed to an up tempo team playing with the fast paced Atlanta Hawks. He can finish at the rim at a better rate. He also protects the basket more than Willie Cauley Stein did. But the thing is, since a lot of teams seem to have potential interest in him, who's going to be the play or who's going to be the team that potentially overpays for his talent yeah i'm definitely big on deadman here and i read an article today from chris kirshner is the athletic cover for the hawks saying that the hawks will likely offer him a one-year nice deal they can offer up to 12 million but he said that if a team is willing to offer three years somewhere he will take it um, the number that I came up with here for Sacramento was three years 40. He's just coming off seven million a year. Um, does that feel about right for looking at Deadman? It'd be 12.5 per year. I think that seems about right. Also, if you can go for three years, 36 million, that's even better. Um, the production will definitely be there. The fit is definitely there. I don't, I'll, if you don't get Horford and you can land Deadman, I'm completely okay with that as well. I will say that I've heard Deadman thrown out there so frequently by so many teams that yeah. I could see his value going up a bit. I think that, you know, I, I believe, I can't remember if it was Lowe or Woj that said this. I think it was on a podcast where they both were on it. Um, but, you know, basically what they were saying is that every team wants Deadman. Oh yeah. Uh, every team in the league wishes they could have Deadman. So, mm-hmm. um, it, but I think part of that, the reason the desire for Deadman is that they feel that he is attainable at a, maybe $10 million a year. But if every team wants him at 10 million, someone will probably get him at 15 and that may not be the best track in the world, but it, it feels like he was a sleeper and that everybody latched onto him as their sleeper. And now all of a sudden he's not a sleeper anymore, you know? Yeah, completely agree with that point. 
Yeah, he's just a perfect modern five. He does everything well. I mean, he was shooting 43% from threes in the corner. I think he ended with about 36% on the year. It was 38 on the year, actually, from mm-hmm. everywhere beyond the arc. Um, he rim protects halfway decently. There's okay decision making. He just does everything that you would want. And another guy that fits that category and was better at times in his career has more than what he's even used in Milwaukee, I think, is Brooke Lopez. Um, there's a chance that you can outprice what Milwaukee would be willing to pay. I've seen that they're likely going to offer the four year, uh, mid level, which would be about four years, 39, practically 40 million. So 10 million annually. I would think that you're going to have to give him this 15, maybe even 17 million range if you want to pry him away from what feels like a situation that he likes and legitimate championship contention for years. Yeah, Brooke Lopez is a really good player. Um, he, he's got, he adapted his game to be able to stretch the floor. He's a great interior defender. Um, he's not a good rebounder, though. That's the only knock, major knock on his game in my part. He only averaged about five a game. But if the Kings can, if the Bucks are only going to offer less than ten million, I think someone will definitely try to seek him out for a little bit more than that. Maybe fifteen. Fifteen sounds about right. But I can totally see Brook Lopez being like a non-max guy that the Kings offer a lot of money for. Yeah, and let me put this out there regarding Lopez. I think that he is a perfectly fine rebounder when he's asked to be and when he's positioned in that rebounding spot. Uh, but, you know, what's been going on with him, especially in Milwaukee, is that he's played out on the perimeter and then he's asked to guard guys on the perimeter. He's often not in an ideal spot to grab boards. So, you know, just for example, his rookie year going way back and then actually several years since then. So we're talking about his rookie year in 08, 09, and then again in uh, 2012, 13, and again in 2014, 15. In each of those years, he had over a 10% uh, offensive rebound percent of over 10. So that's really, really good. But this year in Milwaukee, his offensive rebound percentage was 1.5. And that's, that's literally just because he's not by the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because also um, the time when he started becoming a more perimeter player, he also started to get less rebounds as well after that um, 2015, 16 season. And you know, another thing that kind of goes against the numbers a little bit with Lopez is that he is an amazing shot blocker, but I do think that he has his struggles on the defensive end. I think that he will get completely annihilated if he's moved to the perimeter in any sort of way. Um, and sometimes is a little late positioning wise. I mean, he, he's a good rim protector, but I feel like if you get him on the perimeter, he's a really big weakness there. Absolutely agree. You know, you can tell by, you know, his still percentage is tiny. His block percentage is huge. So that's a guy that is fundamentally very sound at staying vertical and getting his hands uh, up and, you know, blocking shots, but and affecting shots, but it, his hands aren't fast on, uh, on a horizontal plane. He's not sliding super fast, but he can put his body in the right position, put his arm in the right position. Uh, you really maximize his size. But, but you're right. He's, he, especially on the wrong side of 30, like he's for sure getting blown by. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would it feel like you need to offer in order to pull him away? Would a two years, 30 million be enough? I like the sound of that. Um, if he's only going to get four years, 39.5 million, you said, right? 
Yeah. Then I can. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in, for him in the world to leave to get more money. But the thing is, I've read that he wants to stay. And then also today on Yahoo Sports, I read that uh, the Bucks and Lopez want to are quote motivated and quote to work on a new deal together. But I wouldn't blame him if he wants to leave for extra money. So here's my take on his situation. I think it's pretty unique. Uh, from what I've read, basically, so the 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 Bucks, in order to resign him, they 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 must use cap space because of all the details we went through with Jeff Siegel the other day. Uh, he is capped on a non-bird contract, so he was brought in at 3.7 million this year, one year, 2.7 million. By the way, huge kudos to the. <laughs> uh, to, for that, for that deal, much deserved executive of the year, because that's an incredible contract, but one year, 2.7 million. So he cannot be signed for more than 120% of that, which would be about 4 million. So he cannot be offered more than 4 million annually from the Bucks unless they act as an under the cap team, which is why they traded away their 30th pick in order to create space. So they're going to stay under the cap to sign him and they've got about 10 million to do that. So uh, the, the, the contract number will probably be very similar about 10 million, nine or 10 million, but it, they cannot use the MLA to do it. So he will, in my opinion, get probably an offer of four years, 35 to 40 million, but it'll have to be using cap space. Now for part two of my analysis here, I think that any contract to pull him away from the bucks, will need to be more in guaranteed money. So I don't care if it's a shorter term deal, longer, you know, like you can't do a longer term deal in four years, but, uh, if it's two years, 50 million, obviously that's getting it done. If it's three years, 50 million, I think that could get it done as well. If it's four years, 50 million, maybe, but I think you need to go a solid five to 10 million over whatever the offer is from the bucks in guaranteed money. And would you be willing to do that? Four years fifty, I think that's in the ballpark. I, I I think there's there's offers out there that I'd rather make. I think if you can get a younger guy at that amount, it's something that I'm probably more into. But if we're talking about a four year even even four years sixty million, which would put him at fifteen million a year, or or three years forty five million at that same fifteen million a year mark, I I'd be willing I think I'd prefer that to like a max for Vucevic, you know what I mean? But it's still not an amazing contract. I worry about it once it hits that probably about three-year mark with him being 31 years old. I mean, once he's 34, he's really going to slow down. The rim protection will probably disappear even more. Um, I, I could maybe get myself to a two-year $40 million since Kings have a little bit of money to spend, but I, I still don't know if I'm working myself up to that. I do really like Lopez as a player. I think that he's a good fit. Um, really fits a role now. The other two guys that were within this tier, maybe the first one we can go into is Jonas Valanciunas. And it's interesting to me that he turned down 17 million. I thought I was pretty confident he was going to accept that player option because I didn't think that that would, he would be able to pull more on the open market. Do you feel like him turning that down means he knows that there's more money available somewhere? I'll take this one as well. I think that he's got a special situation here where not super special but just worth noting that he's uh essentially 27 years old this is essentially going to be his biggest contract so i don't i don't think that there'll be more money than that per year he won't get 17 million annually 
but it's time for him to think about guaranteed money because say he takes a one-year deal for say he picks that up then he's 28 years old going into his next contract say he settles for a two-year deal this year he's 29 years old you know and, and then like what he's going to get offered on a yearly basis is going to drop off and drop off uh, and, and drop off so i really think he's going to hope for a three or four year deal if he can get that from the grizzlies that may have even been discussed with the grizzlies uh before he declined it so i think that he'll probably get a three-year deal with almost double that amount in guaranteed money so maybe three years 30 one thing about valentinus as well is that um he had a really really big role with memphis because he almost averaged 20 and 10 with them but his usage rate was 31%, which is obviously, which is obviously really high. Um, <laughs> he's obviously a traditional center. And another thing about his game was that he was trending to be a decent three point shooter because he does have a career three point shooting of percentage of 35.7, but it is pretty inflated because in the 2016 17 season, he only took two and made one. So that's a 50% <laughs> boost. Uh, but then in the 2017 and 18 season, he increased it to 74 attempts and he made 30 of them, which is about 40%. But then he didn't increase on that the next year. He fell back down considerably to 29%, uh, shooting 14 for 48. I don't know if he had, I don't think he attempted any threes this past season, but it's interesting because that could have been there for him and he could have definitely adapted his game to fit like the modern five, which you would want in a modern five at least. And he definitely could have gotten more money that way because he already has like the, the traditional center in him. So I'm not too sure what the market will look like, but that was interesting that he turned down the 17 million a season or the 17 million option. Yeah, I think that you had a good point on why he would do that, Rich, that getting that nice experience and being able to almost display himself during that time in Memphis with the high usage. He feels like I can just ride this and get me a nice contract right now, more guaranteed money over time. Uh, but like you said, Sanjesh, I think that his game not developing that three-point shot really feels a little too old school for me. It's a lot of post-ups and that doesn't really interest me in Sacramento. And he doesn't bring it enough on the defensive end to really turn the tables there for me either so i don't have the most interest in valanchunas assuming he's looking at a 10 to i would say 12 to 15 million dollar annually contract i agree with that i think that you know he's not a rim runner nor is he a floor stretcher and i think those are the qualities you know if you're not checking either box you've got to be an elite defender like a horford at that point Mm -hmm. and i i don't I don't think he's checking any, you know, we, we mentioned like the three or four things we really want from the center. I think he does a lot of the things that we don't need, but he's, he doesn't really do the things that we really do need. And then the last guy in this group is Derek Favors, who's another guy that is really just a great defender, um, a great rebounder as well. He still finished 72% of his looks at the rim. He's not a three point shooter, but Derek Favors definitely brings that on the defensive end. What sort of interest would be there from you guys? Yeah, he's definitely a good defender. He had a 3.2 defensive box plus minus. He's always, he's always been a positive um, defensive guy. And he also added 3.5 defensive win shares, which is a career high. But I'm I'm kind of like confused with his contract. Is he still under contract for this next season or what's the deal with him? 
So he's a non-guaranteed contract. Um, I believe that. Do you know how much of it is guaranteed, Rich? I believe it's very lightly guaranteed. Um, it, I, I I'll double check that right now, but I think it's very lightly guaranteed. Um, and I know that yeah. there's also a scenario where it's it's a little bit late the guarantee. So if if the Jazz wanted to trade him because they felt like they had lined something else up with another. Um, another center, I think that they could probably trade him for a second round pick and just move him to whatever team wanted him. Um, I know that uh, I listened to the dunked on podcast yeah. and uh, they did, they did a mock season where a mock off season where he ended up on the Celtics for a second round pick because the jazz secured Nikola Miritich in their, in their sort of fantasy scenario. So something like that is possible. Um, and I also know that if he were to be straight up cut by the jazz, then he would have to go through waivers. So there's a t- there's a chance that he could even get picked up without a new contract yeah. uh, by a new team. But that you know, I have him down in this sort of fifteen million dollar range to kind of account for that in, in, in either side. Yeah, I heard the same thing as you there on an earlier dunked on episode. They were going through centers and um was saying that he thinks that no matter what that he's going to be on that contract. So it would just be giving up a light asset, like you said, a second round pick. Um how would you feel about the fit of favors? He doesn't check the the spacing, but he gives you uh, defense, switchability, and I a little bit of rim running. He's at least capable there. I'm not the highest on Derek Favors. Um, the talent is def- definitely there. The defense is especially there, but I just can't see him as a fit on the Kings. I, I feel there's similar problems with him and Jonas Valanciunas where yeah. – yeah, the defense definitely feels better. Uh, but at the same time, I think that Favors has been playing in a really strong defensive system for pretty much his entire career. Uh, and, you know, if he were not surrounded by, uh, great defenders, which would be the case if he came to Sacramento, uh, you know, I, I could see a scenario where, yeah, defense is, oftentimes really propped up by your teammates. Uh, it's hard to be an elite-level defender when the four other guys on the floor can't play solid defense. So, um, you know, there's upside to the Kings' defense one day, but I don't think it's happening this year. Uh, I think that they'll probably struggle to be league average, even with favors. So, um, yeah, I, I kind of put him in the same situation as Valanciunas where you know, the fit's not amazing, but I will say if he is stuck on that one year, $16 million deal, that's a pretty good stopgap if I was the Kings. And I know, I know that the Kings have a ton of second round picks hanging around. So if a deal like that, say, say they don't land their guy, say they don't land a Horford, don't land a Vucevic, uh, don't land a Deadman or a Lopez, then as a one year stopgap just to get to next season when next offseason when the Kings will have more space again. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be mad at that. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform, They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, and then I think 
you have one more tier here, right, Rich, before you really get to a point where there's just a melting pot of about what feels like the same level players. Yeah, and you know what? I'm really going to throw half this tier away, or more than almost all of it, because I had really come sign in this tier, and I'm done with that because <laughs> I really am convinced he's not going to get paid. Uh, DeAndre Jordan was in this tier, but I think that's like a name recognition thing. And Ennis Cantor had a strong playoff performance, but I also think that his history will catch up with him. So this is a one-man tier, in my opinion, and it's DeMarcus Cousins. Um, I think DeMarcus Cousins is definitely the best out of the best option out of these four because Cantor, I don't really want Cantor because he's not a good defender and he can't stretch the floor. Um, DeAndre Jordan just a flat out no, and TJ's piece <laughs> earlier on Sacktown Royalty was fantastic in providing further evidence on why he shouldn't be here. Um, Willie Cauley Stein looks like he's on his way out, so I mean, that only leaves DeMarcus Cousins in this tier, but. I don't really think he'd be a good fit here in terms of basketball because he, I think a slower pace would definitely benefit him. Um, he doesn't look as fast as he used to be, but the talent, the talent is still kind of there, not as his, you know, dominant days with Sacramento and things like that. And with the season we had it with, um, New Orleans, but I think the Kings should not target DeMarcus Cousins just because he doesn't seem as a good enough fit? I'm the same way here. It makes sense to me that um, the reports of DeMarcus Cousins maybe having interest in going in new, to New York if they were to strike out on all the other potential big-name free agents, they would just be waiting to spend cap space anyways, tanking. Might as well give DeMarcus a chance to rehab. Maybe he comes back to the same level of player right below that um, if you're being hopeful. You can give him a one-year, $15 million contract, maybe something like that. Um, so that's kind of see where I see him, a team that can take the risk. And I don't feel like Sacramento is one that should do that. I am uh, I'm going to disagree with you guys. And I know it's a bold stance to take, but I would absolutely love to see DeMarcus Cousins back on the Kings. I, I mean, he's a great passer. He had a really rough season shooting. Um you know, he had a, I mean, he's coming off an Achilles injury. The guy needs some time to recover. Um, you know, and he's got another injury that he's dealing with now. But really, the potential is so high, and I am so convinced that the Kings will leave some money on the table as far as I don't really believe, based on the history, I don't really believe they'll find a way to maximize $60 million in cap space. If we're talking about maybe $10 million a year for DeMarcus Cousins. I'm I'm super in on that upside. I think he could also... Listen, I, a big part of this, too, is that I love this dude as a as an off-the-court off the guy. I know there are some some members of the media that would disagree with me there, um, one individual in particular, <laughs> but other members of the media... Other members of the media, I think the majority of them would agree with me that I mean, he really cares about the people of Sacramento still, I think. And and Mm -hmm. he cares about people. He cares about people in general, you know? Um, I think that, I mean, if you're, if you're going to sit here and tell me that Marvin Bagley and Harry Giles wouldn't love to be in the locker room with DeMarcus Cousins, I'm going to tell you you're crazy. Uh, you know, I, I'm not reporting that from anything that I've heard from them directly, but (laughs) it just, I could absolutely see this guy coming in and, and being a mentor, uh, 
this guy was an absolute superstar in the league. Uh, obviously, uh, an amazing scorer. You know, he's not going to teach them the finer points of being a, a, an amazing defender, but as far as the offensive game, I think he could un- unlock some stuff. And if he can get back to shooting the ball well, this is a guy that absolutely was a functional shooter for the majority of his career. Um, he was, he's probably not going to have the, uh, ability to get to the basket in the same way that he did when he, when he was younger and, and before some of the injury stuff. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I see this as, as a buy low for a guy that is a great member of the Sacramento community. I think fans would be stoked to have him back. And I also don't feel that there would be any need for him to necessarily start, or I don't think that the Kings would feel obligated to give him 30 minutes a game. I think that he could, you know, either start near the beginning of the season or he'd come off the bench right away. I just, I think that you're adding the upside of another all-star to this team, uh, or actually really to put it correctly, an upside of a first all-star, although I believe that Darren Fox and potentially Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley could all come up pretty quickly on that list as well. You know, I can kind of get with it. I understand what you're saying and it would be extremely fun. I mean, I can't deny that I would enjoy having Boogie on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and maybe I'm maybe I just uh, want this a little bit for like that that fun feeling and to see how some people would react to it. But <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, man. I, I don't really want him to go to New York on a one year deal and go through some weird stuff there with the fan base. I don't know that he'd be hailed as like uh, I don't know that New York. Like them, Manhattan would be super excited to to see him come in as their big signing. Uh, I don't. I want him to stay in Northern California, and I absolutely would love to see him as a king. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a better fit than Brook Lopez or Dwayne Dedman, but at the price, I think that we could do a lot worse. So then, to go through these next group of guys, I'm just going to list maybe three names at a time, and if there's anyone that you want to pick out, uh, either of you feel free to jump in. Um, and this is going off your list, Rich. It's Robin Lopez, Boban Marjanovic, and Ed Davis. Uh, my favorite out of this, th- these three is Ed Davis. Um, the next, or the next, the Nets, the Nets, excuse me. The <laughs> Nets had a huge bargain getting him this past season with the four million deal. Um, he is definitely a pure rebounder. He lives at the rim on offense. Um, he had a 34.6 defensive rebound percentage, which is like one of the crazier numbers I've seen. Um, I would love to have him as a backup. Maybe give give him to me on like a two year, fourteen million deal. I think seven million sounds about right. Um, he's a plus defender who can guard the four and the five. So out of these three, Ed Davis is definitely my favorite option. I'm completely with Sanjesh here. I think that we've kind of forgotten how bad the rebounding issue has been with the Kings because sometimes we get more focused on offense, and perhaps that's rightfully so. Um, and, and we get focused on protecting the rim, and that's also obviously an issue, but this Kings team has struggled with rebounding for years, and Ed Davis might be the best rebounder on a per-minute basis in, in all of the NBA, maybe only behind Andre Drummond. And I had to look this one up, but per 36 minutes, Ed Davis's, Ed Davis's uh, total rebounding numbers is 17.3 if he was able to play seventeen or 36 minutes a game. That's crazy. And I will say, I do think we're reaching a point where 
none of these guys are starters for me. I, I don't want them getting starter minutes. I am in the yeah. same boy, boat with you guys. I do really like Ed Davis. The number I had here for, here for a contract was two year 15. I'm about the same as you. Like you said, he's just coming off a four year. He, there was an article written by the Nets athletic guy. Uh, I don't know the name right now off the top of my head saying that he is looking for money. He came out, there were quotes directly from Ed Davis that he's looking for money. So I think that it's just very clear. You offer him the most money. It seems like that's where he's going to go. Um, and maybe seven million, seven and a half. Do you go up to, do, would you go up to 10 million for Ed Davis? Uh, I don't think I'd go up to 10, but I think seven to eight million a year sounds about right for his skill set. Yeah. I think if I, if, if it, if 10 million got it done on a short term deal, I think that I would really strongly consider it to me that's premium backup money and uh premium bench money and i think that he could be a premium member of this bench and yeah i mean we talked with anthony puccio about him a little bit the guy that uh we brought on for the next crossover episode a reporter out there in brooklyn and he said that uh you know the nets are prioritizing top level free agents uh, obviously that's been confirmed through pretty much the entire media. And I don't think that Davis would be a priority. And, and he said that they might want to bring him back for four or 5 million. If we can beat out every other offer for him, that'll probably take, yeah, eight, you know, eight to 10 million a year, somewhere in there. Uh, I'd be on board for it. And just like a quick, quick little point about Bowman. If he comes and if he's bringing Tobias with him, then I'm signing him too. <laughs> <laughs> that's my only me. argument yeah <laughs> yeah Definitely. i love that yeah we talked about tobias uh on yesterday's podcast and we talked about how bringing barnes back and signing harris would leave about maybe five million less in space and uh yeah slotted boban and that's, <laughs> that's an amazing offseason right there and I think in regards to spending that type of money on Davis going up to 10 million, the reason that I can justify doing that is because we're going to have 40 million to spend. That's assuming that Barnes is getting a 20 million dollar contract. That's kind of about the range that we've been guessing here. So the number that I like to run with is 40 million to spend. Um, and I can get using 10 of that to get one of these guys. And it makes doing all this offseason stuff so much fun to have all this money available. The next three guys I'll throw out, see what you guys think. Kylo Quinn, Nerlens Noel, and Rashawn Holmes. Um, Kylo Quinn definitely had a really disappointing season with Indiana. Um, he's still, I think he has potential as a, as a rebounder and a guy who lives underneath the rim and scoring there, but he can't stretch the floor. And with the downfall he had this year, I would definitely look elsewhere. Um, between Nerlens Noel and Rashawn Holmes, I definitely go for Rashawn Holmes. He's another good and young bench option who provides really good energy and hustle. I thought he was, I thought he could have been used a little bit more in Phoenix. He was a eight point and five rebound guy off the bench there and also gave you a block a game. So if the Kings could get him for about a bargain with a four or five million a year offer, I think Holmes would be the best out of this tier easily. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think Holmes definitely has some upside. Uh, I'll also say that. Nerlens Noel might be one of the best defenders um, in this entire uh, free agency list. Uh, among among the centers we mentioned today, I think he's right up there with the best defenders. Um, mm-hmm. The offense is the question. Obviously, um, he's not giving you much on offense, but 
you know, we're getting into this tier where you're kind of looking at some specialists, right? So, um, you know, Davis is that rebounding specialist, and, and I think Noel is maybe that defensive specialist. So it all depends on which way the Kings would want to go here. And backing up on that uh, defensive point on Noel, he also had a 5.5 defensive box plus minus. That's really good. And I will say, I feel like Holmes has take... better switchability. Uh, Holmes is able to guard these these guards and these quicker guys on the perimeter a little bit better than Noel is. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but like you guys said, I'm very happy with a Noel or Holmes. Does it feel like they're looking about the same contract range? Yeah, I would I would think so because Noel only had like what a uh, 1.7 million a year, I think something in the one million range this year. I think he definitely gets a little bit more than that, maybe three to four million. I think Holmes probably gets four to five, so they're definitely in that four million a year range. Yeah, I think that this whole tier, uh, I put Cousins up above this tier, um, but everyone from Cantor all the way down to the last guy we talked about here, I think that there's a group of about of about fifteen guys that could get anywhere from three million to seven million. Uh, maybe even you could even stretch that out from like the minimum uh, to the right team all the way up to ten million for a team that has to pay a big tax like Sacramento. Even uh, this this tier is massive to me, and it it really is going to be about which team prioritizes which player. If the Kings decide that they want Ed Davis and throw a ten million dollar off at him, that makes sense to me. Uh, but really, any of these guys, Rashawn Holmes, I think that. If the right team decided, hey, this is our guy, we're going to give him a one-year, $10 million deal, maybe a two-year deal. Um, and at the same time, like just the reverse of this, if you know, if the Rockets say, hey, we, we need a great, we need a rebounder, um, we want to try to give Ed Davis a chance to win a championship, you know, something like that, uh, I think these guys really could go any direction. Yeah, the number I found myself settling on a lot of times when I – I do agree. I think they're about this five million range, but I kept coming up with a two year, $15 million contract that if you liked a guy, you could just give him a little bit more money, like you said, and the Kings have money to spend. Um, the last two guys that are on this list are Kavon Looney and JaVel McGee. I'm a fan of both of these guys. I think Looney has that switchability as well, is a nice guy. I know, Rich, you think he's a little bit overhyped out due to playing on the Warriors. I understand that. And the McGee did a good job of rim running and actually a bit of rim protection as well on the Lakers last year. Yeah, if there's one center on this list that's a Luke Walton signing, I think it definitely, it definitely could be JaVel McGee. Um, he averaged 12 and seven and a half rebounds with the Lakers also had two blocks a game. He's uh, the Lakers ran an up tempo system as well with Luke Walton and McGee would fit right in. Um, I wouldn't hate a three to four million deal for McGee, which was about what he got last year with the Lakers. But I would still prefer to look elsewhere first. Yeah, this is a take that I'm probably gonna be wrong about, and I'm probably gonna die on this hill uh, <laughs> arguing for it and look terrible in the future. But if I could have you know, we're talking about Looney a little bit here. If I could have Looney or Jordan Bell, one of the big men from the Warriors, I'm going to take Jordan Bell. And like you said, I think that Looney's a little overhyped. You know, yeah, he can switch. Yeah, he's he's a smart, fundamental guy. But I think the upside to Bell is much higher. And it's kind of this weird situation where um, you ever heard that metaphor about the two baseball players? You're 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 building a baseball team. And there's two guys that you can sign one of them and they're the exact same in every way, 
right? They 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 have the same power. They're the same. They're hitting for the same average. They they're the same speed. Everything everything's the same, right? But one of them has great form, and one of them has terrible form. Let me ask you guys: which one which one do you pick for your team? Uh, I know the answer, so I'm not going to say it, Brendan. If you I know I've it, never heard this. I mean, you would just say the great form. That's what you're. That's a, it's a trick question because you pick the guy with terrible form because when you coach him up to have good form, he'll be better uh, than the other guy. Okay. So that's my. That's how I feel about Bell and Looney. That Bell's got terrible fundamentals and he plays outside of himself, but Looney, he's already the best he can be. That's my take on it. Yeah. I think I'm gonna agree with you here, Richard. Um, I, I mean, you can't. They're like definitely on the lower tier options, but I'd pick Bell over Looney as well, just because Bell definitely has the more upside. He's really athletic. Um, he has a really good wingspan, but I don't think he's played up to his potential in the Warriors. Maybe the Warriors could bring him back because of all their injury issues and see what they really have in him. But if he's available as i mean he is a restricted free agent but if you can get him i wouldn't necessarily be upset with it because he'd probably be looking at a minimum deal maybe there's definitely upside to him but a team just needs to unlock it and i think the plus to looney is that you know what you're getting and then bell the plus is that upside i think next year they'll have about the same production but then you'll see bell take off and in regards to sacramento i think that jordan bell easily fits better than kavon looney because of that Mm -hmm. running the floor and athleticism that you mentioned uh neither of them bring shooting and I guess you would argue Looney's defense is a bit better, but Bell has that potential. Um, so I could see that. What do you think it would take to pry him away from restricted free agency in Golden State? I think even a two years, $10 million total, uh, maybe $5 million a year, I yeah. think that would get it done. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was on the same boat. I think 4 to $5 million could get it done. Yeah, I mean, especially if they do end up bringing Kevin Durant back as well, but they are, I feel fairly confident in saying Clay Thompson at very least will be there. They're not in a good space financially. They don't have money to be given to guys. They aren't going to be big contributors, and Jordan Bell isn't going to have the opportunity there. It would make sense for him to leave. Um, the mm-hmm. other guys that we have in restricted free agency are Zubak, who moved from one LA team to the next. Birch, who had a very nice year in Orlando. Daniel Tice is here, but I do know that he is going back to Germany. Uh, maybe if you liked him, you could offer him enough to keep him. And then Thomas Bryant is here as well, who has been linked to potentially not coming back to Washington, but we know that their cap situation is just terrible. I think Zubak and, uh, Thomas Bryant are definitely the two best ones here. Um, Birch, I believe, has some upside, but he's already 27, so I'm not sure what how he produces next year. Um, my favorite is Thomas Bryant. I mean, he's def- he's only 21 years old still, and he has a lot of potential. Um, he got a chance in Washington after some of the injuries that happened, and he impressed well despite some consistency problems there. Um, I looked up at it, I looked up his per 36 minutes or numbers, and he's an 18-11 guy. Um, he also shoots 61.6%. I think the Wizards have a really talented player on their hands, but if they can't keep him, that will be, that could end up being a big mistake if he goes elsewhere and unlocks his potential. Yeah, Bryant's a really interesting one. I know that Saxon Royalty's Bryant, uh, Bryant West is a huge fan of that dude. I was a fan of him in college and, and like you said, 18 and 11, on a per 36 basis is massive with a little bit over one and a half blocks. 
um, and a surprisingly solid free throw percentage of 78% mm-hmm. uh, for a traditional big man. Like that's totally, that's solid. Uh, hit 33% of his three point attempts on a not completely non-existent volume. Um, you know, there's something there. He attempted a hundred threes and, and hit 33 of them. So that's solid. Um, it's interesting. At least it's intriguing. And then also mentioned he led the league in two point percentage in shots from a, two, a distance of two points. So inside the three point line, he had the best percentage mm-hmm. of anybody in the, in the league. Yeah, and it's just crazy that he's only 21 as well. So if there's a team out there that wants a young guy um, and has a little bit of money to offer and can give him the minutes, then Bryant could definitely be their guy. I could see a team like the Pelicans having interest also, um, a little bit being in the same position as Sacramento, young and needing a center. Um, I It intrigues me here, but I would much rather have a Nerlens Noel Rashawn Holmes because the defense for Thomas Bryant is non-existent. There's really yeah. nice offensive upside, but... I mean, Thomas Bryant will get put in a pick and roll and just get completely annihilated every single time. Uh, this guy can't keep up. And it's the same way for Zubak, really. He's a little bit, uh, quicker, I guess, smarter defensively, but Zubak doesn't have the offensive upside that Bryant does. So out of them, I definitely prefer Bryant, but I personally would not choose to offer him a contract. Yeah, I think Bryant reminds me a lot of like DeAndre Aiden as well in the sense that they can both get points and they both get rebounds, but the defense is really not there yet, and they're both really young as well. So that's just a little interesting thing between those two. Yeah, I think that if you go after go after any of these guys, any of these younger guys on this list, so even if we're talking Noel, Holmes, Zubach, Birch, uh, Jordan Bell, Thomas Bryant, you know, anyone under 25 on this list, you're kind of betting on upside. Mm-hmm. So do we want to move into what our offered contracts would be, or is there any other guys that you feel like you want to touch on? Um, there's there's three more names I want to throw out there, and I want to see what you guys think about them. Um, Tyson Chandler is one of them, and I was I'm intrigued by him because he could fill in that Costa Kufis role as being an emergency big, who you know you're gonna get what you know what you're gonna get out of him. Um, he can still rebound really well, and I've written about him in a in a future SDR piece coming out soon. Um, he had a really good defensive rebounding percentage. I can't remember the exact amount. I'm going to say it was at least 23.5%, but he also had an 11% um, offensive rebounding percentage, which we know like he's really good at just hitting the ball back out to his guards and getting the extra possession. Um, his age is also a factor because he's 36. So if you could use him as an emergency big for a one-year, maybe $3 million deal, I think that could also have um, a good impact for the Kings as well. And a guy that gives you limited minutes, but you know what you're going to get out of him. And he brings some good defensive presence as well. I would love for him to replace Costa Kufis. I think that a defensive, former defensive player of the year, like you said, I mean, we're not going to need an insane amount of minutes from this guy in the slightest. It's just that third center role that occasionally fill in if there's injuries or maybe for a certain uh, situation, a certain matchup. And just be able to mentor the young guys, mainly Bagley Giles. I would love it. Yeah, I'm on board for this. He will be 37 by the time the league's, the, the season starts, but I, I think he's kind of proven that his skills and knowledge are something that he can't age out of. So, you know, until he totally breaks down, um, you know, I, I'd take a flyer one year at the minimum. 
uh, the next name I want to give you guys is uh, what do you guys think about jo- Joakim Noah? Um, mm. He averaged seven points and six rebounds in 16 minutes a game with the Grizzlies. Had a defensive rebounding percentage of 29.6, and obviously he's always been a good defender. Would you guys like him as well as an emergency big? He's turning 34, I you believe, know, or he's already 34. He, yeah, he's 34, and so we had talked about how we talked about a lot of players on the Grizzlies, and this kind of applies to the Pelicans too. The numbers are just crazy on those teams, especially later in the year when Noah was involved. It's like the numbers were just so blown out of proportion because the team wasn't competitive in most of the games and they were not playing a, a ton of defense or at least their, the pace that they were playing at allowed for uh, some inflated numbers. So I, I just, I wouldn't bet on him, but again, like at the minimum, if he's the right fit, in the locker room, which I can't really speak on, I'm open to it. Yeah. So I feel like it's, kind of a worse Tyson Chandler almost. I mean, you could say the same upsides, a former defensive player of the year, but Mm -hmm. like Rich pointed out, I trust what we saw from Tyson Chandler still having production while I don't feel the same trust with what I saw from Joachim Noah in Memphis. Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you guys. Okay, so then maybe right now we can move into what your offers would be. Um I will go ahead and start here. Um, and this is the same thing that we're moving. The The point of this is you have one offer to extend to any of these guys. So you're going to end up overpaying a little bit. But if you are only able to offer one contract, who would it be? My first one is going to be Dwayne Dedman. And I will go three years. Um, let's go. I'm going to 45 million. Um. I think I'm going to go with Al Horford here. You, you, this is kind of a tough one, but I'm just going to offer the $4,114. I was going to say the same thing, man. I'm on board with you. <laughs> I think I think we're the secret team, and I hope we're the secret team. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Al For- Was it 112 or 114, something like that? Four years. Yeah, in that let's range. Be that, let's be that team. That was my second one, and it was very close with Deadman. Let's do it, man. Who is the second guy you would look at after Horford? My second guy would be Dwayne Dedman. Um, it just depends on what other teams offer for him. But if I could offer him one, it would be three years, $39 million. I am with you again, Sanjay. And <laughs> I think that I think that money sounds about right to me, too. Maybe three, yeah, 340 something around there. Yeah, we're right on the same page. And very last one, maybe we get a little more specialized. Maybe we all pick the same player. Um, is it Brooke Lopez, two years? Say we'll give him a 35. Um, I'm going to go to a non-starting guy for this one. Uh, try to fill in that like bench center that Costa Kufis might, the bench center role that Costa Kufis could not be um, coming back to. And I'm going to say Ed Davis for two years, Fifteen million. I like that a lot as well. I bet that Brendan is going to agree with you there, so I think that's a number that he threw out for Ed Davis yeah. earlier. But I got to be true to myself right now and give me DMC on a ten million dollar <laughs> one plus one. So then the return. <laughs> if we had to come come to a consensus three between us, we have Horford and Denman. I can get behind Davis as my third if you can, Rich. 
You guys aren't coming to Cousins? All right. I, understand. I don't think so. <laughs> I understand. So then, oh, yeah, I'm fine with Davis. can I go through maybe some of these guys as a lightning round and get your guys' reactions? Because there's going to be a lot of different options here. There's a chance that we strike out on our first three choices. So maybe just a quick, what you would be willing to offer if you would even want to extend him an offer. Um, sure. First guy, we'll just go to the very top, Vucevic. I'll say, I'll just give a number just so that's why, I, I don't know why, but that's what I feel like doing for this. This lightning round, so I'll just say four years, one hundred million. That number sounds perfect to me. For a contract, yeah, four for you said four for a hundred, right? Yeah, yeah, because I was about to say three for ninety, but four for one hundred definitely sounds much better. Next guy, not one of the ones that we already mentioned, um, Jonas Valanciunas. I don't offer. You know, I think I'm much send you a share. Yeah. I'm the same way here. I don't see the fit. And then, but Derek favors, if that non-guaranteed, or I guess the question is, would you offer a second round pick for him? And I think yeah. if we stroke out on some other guys, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, I yeah, think I, I offer agree. that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then we, I know Rich, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, 220. Well, I mean, I go with Rich. I mean, I don't hate it. I mean, I definitely love him to come back. I just don't see the basketball fit, but it would be really, really fun if he comes back. Yeah. I think that maybe if you could get a team option on that second year, or maybe if if you kind of did a Jabari Parker kind of thing, maybe not for the $20 million per year, but if you went $12 million, something like that, and it's a two-year, second-year team option. Um, yeah, but Rich, you definitely talked me into bringing Boogie back. Next one, Ennis Cantor. No. Zero. Yep, nothing on the defensive side. Uh, DeAndre Jordan. Oh, God. No, no. <laughs> Zero. Zero. Nothing. Uh, Robin Lopez. Nah. Uh, Boban. You know, one year, three and a half for Robin. Give okay. me one year, five mil for Boban. I mean, if Boban brings in Tobias, then I'm, I'll give him whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind a minimum for Robin. I think I'm passing on Boban. Doesn't seem like the best guy for a high pace team for some reason. Like, uh, yeah, I prefer <laughs> yeah, I prefer Robin to like you know Fareed and and yeah. and like Noah and like Tyler yeah. and even even like uh, you know even like uh, I guess that any like any any vet. I mean, he's you know he's the he's probably like just a step above the Kufos level. And Ed Davis, I have that two-year $15 million, Or I guess that was the third guy on our list, so we can yeah. skim past that one. Uh, Kylo Quinn? No. No. I'm on the same level with Robin Lopez as him. So, like, just a step above the minimum, like okay. $3 million, $4 million. And, honestly, these next four guys for me, Noel, Holmes, Looney, McGee, I'm all two-year 15. Two-year 15? Hmm. I'd go with for all of them. Well, Looney's unrestricted, right? Yes. I'd go all of them. I'd try for two years, eleven million. Uh, I'm. I'll, I'll yeah. Anywhere in there is fine with me. I'll split the difference, maybe two thirteen. Uh, yeah. Just anywhere in there. Yeah. And I definitely projected a little higher because I figured if you like one of the guys, that's what it would take to secure him. Um, next group of the restricted. One, one thing. Uh, Go ahead. One thing I'll interject here is I want to pull McGee out of that group and throw him with the minimum type guys, the O'Quins, the Robin Lopez's. Because Why? 
because Noel, Holmes, and Looney, they're 25 and 25 and 23. So, like, there's some upside there, but McGee, uh, O'Quinn, Lopez, these guys are all 30 years old. They're vets. Like, I, I, I only want them for one year, if that makes sense. Hmm. All right, I can, I can back that up, too. Yeah, I understand that. Because the, the, the upside is there. Like, if you do a two-year deal, you want to have a chance that in the second year you're getting a value contract. And I don't think there's a chance that we signed Javel McGee at 31 years old and suddenly, like, it's an amazing bargain to have him at $7 million. I understand that. I get with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're looking at restricted guys, uh, Zubak? I I'll think it'll, it'll be hard to get him away from the Clippers. Uh, I'll put him with Looney, Holmes, and Noel. I can get with that. And then I think that Thomas Bryant would be – and Thomas Bryant and Jordan Bell would be in that group with me as well, leaving Kim Birch out of it. Yeah, I can get behind that too. I agree. Thank you to everybody for listening. We wrapped up all of our free agent overviews for each position. Those are all out there with free agency starting Sunday at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we are going into a new segment that we're doing for the first time. That is Fan Fridays. We have three questions that we ask to gauge how the Kings community is feeling about things. And we have a couple guests that will come on, so you can hear that now. Um, It's exciting. Uh, I said it before. Um... We got the best fans in the NBA. Uh, you know, we come out here, we play our hearts out every night, and they're here supporting us every game. Sacramento fans have gone through a lot, so the loyalty that, that that's there, you just see it. Like you go, you can't go out. I can't go to Walmart without someone being a Kings <laughs> fan. Like it's 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 different in every part of Sacramento. It's it's like that. We are reporting live on the sideline. the best fans in the world. We in it, baby. You know what I'm saying? It's Fan Fridays. What's up, guys? We got a new segment starting here. It is called Fan Fridays, where we are going to gauge how the fan base is feeling about varying Kings topics that are going on. To be a part of this, you can interact with us on Twitter at Kings underscore Pulse. We will be pulling two or three people each week. And let's just hop into the very first version of Fan Friday. Here are our participants. My name is Leo Tochterman. Twitter handle is Leo underscore T-O-C-H. Hi, my name is Zach Hardy, and uh, my Twitter handle is BballKingsRock. Question number one. How would you grade the Kings draft? I mean, they only had second-round picks, so there wasn't much to work with, but uh, probably like a D. I didn't really, I didn't really, I mean, I guess the stash, the stash pick is okay, but I think they overdraft. they definitely overdrafted Justin. James and you know Kyle Guy I guess that's not too bad of an overdraft but I think they could have gotten him uh, undrafted Vade looks like he just took some uh, shots uh, shots in the dark with all these three shooting guards it's really hard to say to to grade the draft I'll probably give him I don't know a B Uh, and we'll see what happens with them but uh, I guess uh, Justin's a good is is athletic he's a decent scorer Kyle Guy obviously he's played in big big moments in the NCAA tournament and kind of has he's a little clutch too in the games overall we'll see we'll see what happens Uh, I think those two guys uh, will get a lot of good playing time in the summer league and we can get a better uh, feel for them question number two do you want to extend the qualifying offer to Willie Cauley Stein? I think I might just do it, just like at the beginning on like July 1st or June 30th, and just see how the offseason goes. 
extending the qualifying offer doesn't mean that they have to bring him back necessarily. It just that's probably the most beneficial route for the team. So I think I would just do that with the intention of you know letting him go. Um, but it's always just nice to have just as the like a backup option. So yeah, I would extend it. First thing that comes to mind is gonna be a no because he he just wasn't consistent enough. Free throw shooting wasn't great during the year. Obviously, his rebounding is a big uh, frustration for all of us. Some days he's playing really well and, and we love him, but some days he's not. And we, we need someone consistent. I think the Kings can do better uh, with a better center during free agency or draft or uh, trades. Final question: What are some of the free agent targets that you're interested in for Sacramento? Yeah, so well, it looks like the uh, the center position is the main position that the Kings are going after, and I think it's. Uh, like I think that the two guys that I'm looking at are not like huge like reaches at all. I think um, I think Deadman and then I think Brooke Lopez are just like perfect fits with the roster uh, next to Bagley. I, I like the uh, Capella idea and the Stephen Adams trade ideas, but I'm a little concerned about the spacing that that would leave the Kings with you know Bagley at the four. I know he improved his three point shooting towards the end of this uh, towards the end of the year, but. I'm still a little worried about that, so I think I'd rather go for a uh, more of a stretch five. Um, and then for for a uh, small forward, uh, there's a lot of options, but um, I think that if the Kings have the opportunity to to uh, to speak with Tobias Harris, I think you you offer him the max, even though that doesn't seem like something that you know the Kings are as interested in. But yeah, so that I would say if uh, for centers, I think. Lopez or uh, Denton? There's been a lot of rumors about the Kings lately. We got, you know, Clint Capella. We got Vucevic. We got Steven Adams. We got uh, Al Horford. A lot of these centers that we can pick up through free agent or, dra- or, or trading. They each got their pros and cons. If I had to pick the top two out of those four, I don't like Al Horford for that four-year contract he wants. He's going to be too old at the end, uh, near the end of this contract. He's going to be slowing down for sure. Clint Capella, I actually do like him. He can play defense, he can get the rebounds. He's like a really good version of Willie Cauley-Stein, which is nice. He fit naturally in our system, but he, his free throw shooting is actually pretty bad as well. And he kind of clogs the paint a little bit if we want Bagley to kind of be in there a lot of the time. And I, I'm not willing to give up a first stunner for him. That'll be difficult for me to do, but you know, he's not a bad option. Vucevic, very good uh, offensively, can stretch the floor, not a great defender, but as a good rebounder, I, I do like him probably a little bit more than Vucevic. I mean, uh, Capella, just because he can stretch the floor, and if we're paying somebody that much money, I'd like to have a center that can stretch the floor for, for our team. But it, it's tough. His defense isn't that great, which is not good. Um, you know, if the Kings wanted to do a cheaper option, I, I do like Dwayne Deadman. He can do a little bit of everything. He can stretch the floor, he can rebound play decent defense you know pulls good screens but he's not very good at um, any one thing so as of right now i'd probably pick him or actually another option was brooke lopez he can stretch the floor good defender inside i think that could be a good fit i don't know how expensive he's gonna be but uh, it's something to look at if we do get one of the uh, cheaper options like Dwayne or, or brooke a little bit is a little cheaper I do like picking up that Patrick Beverly or Corey Joseph as our backup point guard if, if it's a good price. But I, I would say out of all these guys, my number one would probably be, um, if we're not talking about centers or point guards, I would like Tobias Harris because that guy can do everything. Um, I think he'd fit well in our system. I know it'll be tough to get him. A lot of teams want him, but 
um, overall, I think he'd be a great, a uh, great scorer for us and uh, fit in our system very well. Thank you to everybody that participated in this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. And thank you to all the listeners out there. You can be one to participate on these Fan Friday episodes. Like I said, follow us on Twitter at Kings underscore Pulse. And you will hear from us again at the beginning of next week with a bunch of fresh news with free agency having been started by then.